book three chapter eight of st francis of assisi a biography by johannes jorensen translated by thomas o'connor sloan this librivox recording is in the public domain book three god's singer chapter eight the rules and admonitions caesarius of spire did not at once go to germany with his brothers francis had asked him to assist him in writing the rules of the order and caesarius also wished before his departure to spend some time with francis it was so uncertain if they ever again would see each other for one and the other of these reasons caesarius remained three months with francis in the valley of spoleto as well as at portiuncula and up in Carceri. The first rule which Francis wrote at Rivo Torto was quite short and simple. I had it written with few and simple words, and our Lord the Pope confirmed it for me, says Francis in his testament. With this, all the burden of testimony of the first biographers agrees. A great part of this first rule was made up of extracts from the Bible put together, first and foremost from matthew chapter ten verses nine to ten nineteen verse twenty one sixteen verse twenty four and luke chapter nine verse three thence comes the name francis liked to use instead of the word rule forma sancti evangelii the form of the holy gospel in a few words to observe the gospel was what he desired we have no longer this first franciscan rule and of the ingenious attempts which have been made in the most recent times to recover it none have succeeded but these attempts were undertaken from a correct standpoint namely that we undoubtedly have in the so-called regula prima generally called after karl muller the rule of twelve twenty one the original rule of the order with additions and buried under a quantity of later additions alterations and expansions a suggestion of how the development went can be obtained from jacques de vitry's description of the franciscan chapter gatherings here he tells how the brothers came together at these meetings and with the support of good men wrote and promulgated good regulations but the good men who stood by the brothers were undoubtedly cardinals the closer relations between them and francis were formed in the summer of twelve sixteen when jacques was still in the papal court and moreover the accounts compare well with what we know from other sources that the brothers came together at pentecost at portiuncula and consulted as to how they best should maintain the rule francis naturally had a deciding voice in these discussions st francis the authority just cited says admonished censured and commanded as it seemed good to him in the lord if we have the latin text at this place before us the meaning is still clearer it there is written faciebat admissiones reprehensiones et precepta he made admonitions reprehensions and precepts but among the writings of francis of assisi we have one entire collection remaining which bears the title of admonitiones if we wish to find the first additions to the original rule it is here we should look 
the superscription tells as much in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost these are the holy words of advice of our honored father saint francis to all the brothers in these admissiones we find what thomas of chelano where he speaks of the rule calls some few additional commands which are entirely necessary for the purpose of a holy conversion they contain the following number one on the lord's body the first thing francis thought of enforcing upon his disciples and of placing deep within their hearts was to have great reverence and great love for the god revealed to the eye of faith in the holy eucharist number two on the sinfulness of self-will it is self-will that leads to falling into sin number three on perfect obedience he who does not renounce all things even his own will cannot be a disciple of jesus number four that no one should strive after command it is better to wash the feet of the brothers than to rule over them number five that no one should be exalted but should glory in the cross of the lord the same order of thought that is developed later at length in the celebrated eighth chapter of the fioretti number six on following after the lord we wish to be called the servants of the lord but we should be ashamed because the saints have done great things and we wish to be honored and esteemed only because we tell of them and preach about them number seven that wisdom must be followed by work that wisdom only has value which leads to good works a thought to which francis constantly returns number eight to envy no one especially to envy no one the good which god works in his soul number nine on charity he has really charity towards his enemies who when he suffers injustice thinks first of all the harm the unjust one has done his own soul number ten to hold the body in subjection there is an enemy we ought not to love and that is the body and if we vigorously and ceaselessly fight this enemy then no other enemy spiritual or material can hurt us number eleven do not participate in the effects of another sin by paying evil with evil one takes the effects of a sin upon his own soul number twelve on signs of the lord's spirit the better a man really is the worse he feels himself to be number thirteen on patience one first sees how great his patience really is when he has cause to be impatient number fourteen on poverty of spirit poverty of spirit is not in much fasting and penance but in turning the left cheek to him who has struck the right one number fifteen on peace blessed are the peaceful number sixteen on purity of heart he is pure of heart who despises the world seeks heaven and always has the lord his god before his eyes number seventeen on being an humble servant of god and not to demand more of one's neighbor than one is willing to grant to god 
number eighteen on sympathy with our neighbor blessed he who bears with his frailties as his neighbor has also to endure his number nineteen of a good servant of god blessed he who does not look upon himself as better or greater when he is exalted and honored by men than when he is scorned and despised by them and is degraded by them for a man is what he is in god's eyes and no more number twenty on the good and bad brother of the order blessed the brother whose whole joy is in doing the work of god and in speaking of god and who thereby leads men to love god in peace and joy number twenty one on the empty and gossiping brother of the order woe to the brother whose joy it is to make people laugh with empty and vain talk and who in his actions does not correspond with the grace he has received from god number twenty two on correction blessed the brother who is not eager to excuse himself but who in humility is willing to be shamed and blamed even if he has done nothing number twenty three on humility blessed the brother who is as humble to those who are under him as to his superior number twenty four on real charity blessed the servant of god who loves his brother as much when the brother is sick and depends on him as when the brother is well and can be of use and pleasure to him number twenty five and blessed the servant of god who loves and fears his brother as much when he is away from him as when he is near him and says nothing behind his back when he could not in charity let him hear number twenty six that god's servants ought to honor clerics blessed the servant of god who has faith in the clerics who live after the law of the holy roman church and woe to those who despise them even if they are sinners no one should condemn them for they have power over the body and blood of jesus christ number twenty seven on virtues that put vices to flight this is the laud in honor of all virtues already given number twenty eight not to boast of your virtue god sees our secret thoughts for him alone we shall do all things and thus accumulate for ourselves treasures in heaven haec sunt documenta pii patris one can say in the words of thomas of chelano after having gone through these twenty-eight short chapters with these prescripts the pious father moulded his new sons francis was certainly a remarkable master of novices as the technical expression of the convent has it but these religious psychological aphorisms often wonderfully fine remind us but little of the rule of an order of francis's way of writing such a rule we have on the other hand an idea through a little piece of regulation which undoubtedly comes entirely from his own hand in the early days of the order when there were few brothers and when there was no regular convent the members of the order spent most of their time on missionary journeys and took shelter where they could find it at intervals they wished to withdraw into solitude to pray in peace 
and strengthen the soul for new apostolic efficiency as they after the master's example talked over with themselves what they preached to others in this way originated the first franciscan convents but which were only ill adapted to bear this honored name at portiuncula the convent was a collection of huts surrounded by a hedge in carceri it was a few caves at fonte colombo and mount alvernia it was the same and time after time in the fioretti we are brought around to these little convents where the brothers had only huts of leaves to live in neither was the word claustrum used in speaking of the franciscan abiding places brother giordanos as we have seen was greatly perplexed when in erfurt it was proposed to build him a convent such a franciscan habitation was called simply a place locus a hermitage eremo eremitorium a retreat retiro and for the brothers who for a period of time wanted to stay in such a hermitage francis now wrote the following rule or rather regulations which is the more valuable because it undoubtedly comes in its entirety from his own hand without the assistance of cardinal ugolin or brother caesarius it is here given in full de religiosa habitazione in eremo on pious living in a hermitage those who wish to live piously in a hermitage must be three or at most four brothers two of them shall be mothers and shall have the other two for sons or the one but the mothers shall lead the life of martha and the others the life of mary the two who are mothers shall lead the life of martha and the two sons shall lead the life of mary and shall have an enclosure with a cell where they can pray and sleep and as soon as the sun has set they shall pray the compline and try to maintain silence but at matins they shall get up and say their hours and seek first for god's kingdom and his justice and at the proper time they shall pray the primes and after the trines they can break the silence and go to their mothers and if they wish can beg an alms of them like other poor people for god's sake and later they shall pray the sext and nones and say vespers at a suitable time and they must permit no one to enter the enclosure where they are and no one must eat there either the brothers who are mothers shall keep themselves away from all men and as their superior has told them guard their sons from all men so that no one can speak to them and the sons must not talk with anyone except their mothers and with their superior if he with god's blessing visits them but the sons shall take over the mother's task when they find it mutually good and busy themselves to carry out exactly all that has been said before this was a rule such as francis was able to write how graceful is the picture of the brothers who lived together up in the mountain wilderness of fonte colombo or on monte subasio and of which the two like martha in the gospel must look out for the temporal things while the other two like mary have permission to sit at the lord's feet and when it gets to be midday then the two who had chosen the better part come and beg well and modestly for food 
like polite children asking it of their good mother. Besides the short original rule of 1210 and the rule for hermitages, we hear further talk of a special rule valid for portiuncula. This is preserved in chapter 55 of the Speculum Perfectionis and recalls the rule for hermits. Thus we find it forbidden for strangers to enter the place. No worldly talk and no superfluous word must be heard in portiuncula. The brothers there shall be chosen from the best and most pious in the whole order, and shall edify all by the exemplary recitation of their office. And in this place nothing shall happen or be spoken that is useless, but the whole place shall be kept pure and holy in hymns and songs of praise. For the infringement of these regulations, as it is given later in the same book, chapter 82, the offender is obliged to say a paternoster along with the prayer composed by Francis, Laudus Dei. Francis's work as lawgiver was only occasional. At a chapter it was told him that many of the brothers tormented themselves with penitential shirts, iron rings, and the like on the naked body. He forbade at once the use of such ascetic things by the brothers. Another time he had the following regulation put into writing. Let the brothers take care that they do not present the appearance of hypocrites with dark and cast-down mien, but that they show themselves glad in the Lord, cheerful and worthy of love and agreeable. This place is found in the existing Regula Prima, chapter 7, and in the Speculum there is cited another regulation which we may safely read in the text of those we still possess. The last chapter in the Regula Prima has the title Admonitio Fratrum. If in the Rivo Torto rule it is to be found the basis for the whole code of laws, so are these occasional regulations and the admonitions promulgated at chapters to be regarded as the first framework. And others were built upon them, such as time or occasion required. In 1217 the great Franciscan missions began. To this period are certainly to be ascribed chapters such as the 14th and 16th in the Regula Prima, How the Brothers Ought to Go Through the World, and Of Those Who Go to the Saracens and Other Heathen. This sort of farewell admonition has been preserved for us in several examples by Francis's biographer. See, for example, in the Speculum Perfectionis, Chapter 65, Admonition to Departing Brothers as well as several extracts from the rules, beginning with the words, In nomine domini, in the name of the Lord, the usual formula with which in those days every official paper began. That these admonitions, which later, when the order developed, came to have a larger and larger scope, were written out, we can rest assured. They had all of them a very practical object, which was something Francis wished the brothers to observe and be guided by. We see how explicitly he is in his later letters that the brothers should, by copying, have them in manifold, and each possess a copy in his breviary along with him, the better to follow them. 
if we want to understand what the cooperation of francis and caesarius in the summer of twelve twenty one in preparing the rule of the order was we must recollect that they excepting the rule of twelve ten had before them the collection of all the admonitions and regulations out of this material they were to put together a new rule of the order in reality they for the time being were content to link together old and new often without sequence and so did this collection or better this selection of valid regulations result which the older investigators called regula prima the newer ones rule of twelve twenty one but which in no sense has been accepted as the rule of the order without wishing to go into details like karl muller or bamer it is quite impossible to form a general understanding of what part of this great collection of material comes from the original rule and of what are additions of a later period out of the rivo torto rule besides the introduction francis promises obedience to pope innocent the following portions undoubtedly came chapter one of the three vows of the order obedience poverty chastity chapter two of the brother's reception and habit chapter three of the office and fasts chapter seven of how the brothers are to work and pray chapters eight and nine on not caring for money on begging when it is necessary chapter twelve on avoiding women chapter fourteen on neither travelling nor sitting down with evil people chapter nineteen on reverence for priests these chapters may have been differently arranged in the original rule but the meaning has been the same the regulations for fasting seem to have been severe originally and as preserved in the regula prima as later additions to the fundamental rules we must look upon the fourth chapter with the statutory beginning in nomine domini this treats besides of the ministers and of the duty of obedience of the brothers to them and must date from the chapter meeting in which the first ministers were installed and the first division of provinces was arranged for some other chapters agree also with the admonitions which are in existence thus chapter five and the fourth and eleventh admonitions may be located and chapter twenty two and the ninth and tenth admonitions a reminder as referred to by thomas of chelano is not to be found in the existing collection of admonitions on the contrary it is in the regula prima where it is found in the eighteenth chapter a third element in the regula prima consists finally of what we may call religious poetry to this belongs first of all the lauds or songs of praise already spoken of which francis offered to his brothers for singing in the towns as the good god's musicians and where we find a rhythm that reminds us of the later sun song what francis desired first of all was to inspire men for god and after finally a last admonitio fratrum the old name is here kept in the title of the chapter his in caesarius of spire's work breaks forth in a great swelling song of praise that rises and rises irresistibly like a stronger and stronger flowing organ sound and never stops 
until the highest summits are reached there where all human speech must cease all human thought must fail and nothing remains except the angel sanctus 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 and ceaseless alleluia of the happy souls it is thus the last chapter sounds prayer song of praise and thanksgiving almighty highest and supreme god holy and just father lord and king of the heavens and earth we thank thee for thy own sake because thou by thy holy will and by thy only begotten son with the holy ghost hast created all spiritual and material things and us in thy form and likeness and thou didst place us in paradise but we fell through our own fault and we thank thee because thou as thou didst create us through thy son thus also through the true holy charity wherewith thou lovest us let him be born true god and true man of the ever virginal holiest virgin mary and through his cross and blood and death thou didst wish to free us poor prisoners and we thank thee because the same one thy son shall return in the glory of his majesty and send the damned who have not converted themselves and knew thee not into everlasting fire and will say to all who have known thee and prayed to thee and served thee in conversion come here the blessed of my father and inherit the riches which have been prepared for you even from the beginning of the world and because all we poor sinners are not worthy to name thee so do we pray and implore that our lord jesus christ thy beloved son in whom thou art well pleased together with the comforter the holy ghost will thank thee for all the great things thou hast done to us through him alleluia and we humbly implore the most blessed mother and virgin mary the blessed michael gabriel raphael and all the rest of the choir of holy spirits seraphim and cherubim thrones dominations principalities powers and mights angels and archangels the blessed john the baptist john the evangelist peter paul and the blessed patriarchs and prophets the holy innocents the apostles evangelists disciples martyrs confessors virgins the blessed elias and enoch and all the saints that have been or are to come that they out of love to thee and as it pleases thee shall bear our thanks to thee thou highest true everlasting and living god with thy son our dear lord jesus christ and the comforter the holy ghost for ever and ever amen alleluia and we friars minor we useless servants beg and pray thee all humbly who in the holy catholic and apostolic church wish to serve the lord god all who are in orders all priests deacons subdeacons acolytes exercisers lectors ostiers and all the clerics all monks and all nuns all children all women and maidens all poor and needy kings and princes laborers peasants servants and masters all virgins 
all continent and all married all lay people men and women all infants children young and old well and sick all large and small and all kinds of people races and languages all nations and all men everywhere who are now or are to be we pray them all humbly that they will preserve in the true faith and conversion for otherwise they cannot be saved let us all with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind with all our strength and power with all our reason and all our dispositions all our striving all our love all our inner self all our desire and will love the lord our god who has given us all our body all of our soul and all of our life he who has created us and redeemed us and out of pure mercy wishes to save us he who has given and daily gives all good to us poor corrupted putrid thankless and evil things let us therefore seek nothing else wish for nothing else rejoice and be pleased with nothing else than our creator and redeemer and saviour the one true god who is the perfect good all good the whole good the true and highest good he who alone is good pious and mild happy and loving he who alone is holy just true and righteous who alone is good innocent and pure from whom and with whom and in whom are all pardon all grace all glory for all penitence all just men all the blessed in heaven may nothing restrain us therefore nothing separate us nothing drive us from him let us all in all ways at every time and place daily and constantly truthfully and humbly believe in god and keep him in our hearts and let us love honour beseech serve obey and bless praise and glorify sing praises to and thank the highest and supreme eternal god the threefold and one the father son and the holy ghost creator of all the saviour of those who hope in him and love him god without beginning and end unchangeable inconceivable invisible incomprehensible inscrutable blessed glorified extolled highly exalted mild lovable dreadful and worthy to be loved and desired always and above all things for ever and ever glory be to the father son and the holy ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be amen end of book three chapter eight